welcome back to Bad Movie Sunday. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. Uh, and if you're new to our podcast, we watch bad movies, so you don't have to. We roast them. We post them. And we're going to have a lot of fun, because today we chose just, I mean, if you've read the title, <laughs> you know kind of a little bit of what you're in for. Today's movie is Velocipaster. Oh, yes. We got to change the name of our podcast to Good Movie Sunday, because I... <laughs> amazingly surprisingly love this movie like a lot oh my god this was one of my favorites we've done this season it was so i was okay here's the thing a little bit of backstory from the name velocipaster you i i was thinking like sharknado you know we did tsunami there's like sharktopus versus you know i mean like those asylum movies that have all those kind of monster movies between giant animals and stuff. I thought it was going to be one of those. I thought this was going to be straight up an asylum movie, but the credits roll and it's not asylum. It's like a parody of asylum or something, but it was (laughs) like fantastic. (laughs) Honestly, same. As soon as I saw it, I thought it was going to be an asylum movie. I also thought that Tsunami, which we did earlier in the year, was going to be an asylum movie. And that one kind of, spoilers for that episode, but it kind of uh, let us down a little bit. But this one, like, this seemed like legitimately an asylum movie in that it didn't take itself as seriously as Tsunami did. It had a lot of jokes. It was, like, really well written. And I'll get to that uh, at the end after we do our breakdown, but... The filmmaker here, the writer, director, and editor were all the same person, and he did an amazing job on this movie. Damn, that's impressive. I know. You know what? I think this, I mean, if you haven't seen our Tsunami episode, uh, we didn't like it that much. <laughs> it was, it kind of sucked. But this, I think, is what I wanted Tsunami to be. Yeah. This was, we're going to get into it a little bit later. We're going to kind of go over what the movie is. Um in case you don't know, because I don't know if a lot of people would have heard of this. But we will be going into it scene by scene. We'll tell you when we do that. But this is a movie that I genuinely recommend that you watch for yourself. You don't even have to watch it with a big group of friends. Like, a lot of these asylum movies are better like that. If you just watch it by yourself, which is what I did. I don't know if you did that, too. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> but it We're very like, lonely people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the current climate doesn't really change the fact that we never see anyone anyway. Um, But even if you're watching it alone, it's still like an amazing movie. It'll also be a great movie if you watch it with a bunch of friends and and roast it together. But no matter where, how many people you watch it with, it is so good. It was like, it was made for the purpose to be roasted, you know? Like, it just, it, it roasts itself. It's yeah, so... Even, why are we even here? We don't even have to roast <laughs> this movie. Well, you know what? We are here to toast this movie. Because this is season two. I say it every episode. It's our toasting season. Season one, which is the first year we did this podcast, we kind of went a little too hard. We roasted a little too much. This year, we're trying to dial that back. We're trying to get in some good toasts. We're trying to do some movies that we genuinely enjoy and we want to recommend to people. This is like a chef kiss number one (laughs) I would recommend to people out of everything we've done on the podcast, probably. Yeah, me too, honestly. It's just, it's so good. And we'll get into it. Oh my God. But uh, for now, spoilers. If you haven't seen it, please please go and watch it right now and then come back and hear our thoughts. But if you're, you know, still a little hesitant, we'll go over everything that happens. Um, But beware, spoilers. Oh my God, I'll break it down for you. I got a summary from IMDb. Um, It's honestly the reason probably that we both wanted to watch this, other than the title, of course. Mm -hmm. But the summary from IMDb says, After losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. Like, how could you not (laughs) watch this? Just from the summary alone, like, there are so many elements at play. Uh, uh, He's a priest goes to China for no reason, he turns into a dinosaur, he gets powers, there's a hooker, there's ninjas. uh, (laughs) 
any one of those elements by themselves would be like, ooh, intriguing. Maybe what? But together? Are you kidding me? <laughs> An unstoppable power. It's... <laughs> Who would think to put all of that together? Really? I genuinely don't know, but I have to thank them from the bottom of my heart for making it a reality. <laughs> I was telling um, this morning, I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Faye, and I sent her that summary from IMDb because she was asking what kind of movies we're doing uh, this week. And then she she said, why is it whenever someone gets a power, it's always to fight crime, never start a circus or become a movie star? <laughs> Oh, that's really true. You know what? He could probably make like a lot of money, like in a one man circus or something by himself. Yeah. He's like, watch me tur- turn into a dinosaur. <laughs> and then, you know, Faye and I, we were going back and forth, coming up with a list of what we would do if we had dinosaur powers. And if I may, I would like to read this list of things for you, Ashley. <laughs> oh, please do. So she said, other things I would do if I could turn into a dinosaur. One, start a cult. <laughs> okay. Of uh, <laughs> other people that transform into dinosaurs or just people that want to follow you because you're a dinosaur? I don't know. It's uh, ambiguous, but either way, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> number two, which is a little similar to number one in some ways. Um, number two is scam people. <laughs> <laughs> What's your plan to scam people? <laughs> There are so many options when you uh, are half man, half dinosaur that really don't limit yourself. <laughs> okay. Number three, be a birthday party entertainer. Ooh, that's a, that's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, I added two of my own here. I said, number four, become an assassin. As this guy kind of decides to do in this movie. Yeah, kind of like a Dexter figure or um, a Punisher oh. figure. Oh, Um, only going after bad people and such. Then I said, number five, I would use my DNA to create other dino people and create a Jurassic Park slash world situation. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Faye came back with three more ideas that were very good. By the way, these ideas, you can pick and choose, I feel. If you're a dinosaur, you don't have to pressure yourself (laughs) into doing all of these. Um, Number six is host an ASMR podcast. Oh, of just like Monchin? Yeah, I that's what I'm assuming, just like <laughs> Wow, I would mm-hmm. listen. <laughs> just like the snarling, growling, put you to bed mm. right away. Yeah. Yum yum. Then she said number seven, be a full time author because my dreams don't all have to be dino related. This is a good point. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> If I run out of money, I'll just eat some rich person, literally, and steal their wallet. See, excellent ideas coming from Faye here. Very profitable. (laughs) I feel like you could just go to a rich person's house, uh, eat them, and live there. Also, just, you know. That's what I do in The Sims. (laughs) I just... You know, you got to find the richest person, kill them, and take their house. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. And then the Grim Reaper comes, and then, yeah, and then you drown you... someone in your swimming pool by taking the ladder away. And then you got to woohoo the Grim Reaper and make him part of your family so you can have a death baby. All yeah. the typical things you got to <laughs> do. It's a whole thing. Number eight is become a model for CGI companies. Now, this is... <laughs> <laughs> This is a little more um, practical, but still mm-hmm. a very good idea. And my last one was become an artist and sell my paintings for millions of dollars. And I was thinking as I wrote that, that I would use my tail. Oh. <laughs> you know how there are some like elephants that paint with their trunks or some like bunnies that like hop in the paint and then hop onto the canvas. Oh my gosh. This is lucrative. <laughs> a dinosaur painting with his tail. Oh my gosh, you'd make more pause. Yeah. Or pause. Yeah, this is true. The new Dino Banksy. <laughs> yeah. That was all that we had. Do you what would you do, Ashley, if you were to become a dinosaur and had uh, pow- and have powers? Oh, I mean, this is a this is a such an open question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the painting idea, because uh, I do that just, you know, by myself. But I could make a lot more money as a dinosaur, get a lot more press that way. Yeah, exactly. And you could um, represent yourself in human form and be like, yes, my client did do this. (laughs) 
Little does everyone know, you go behind the curtain and you're a dinosaur and you paint with your tail. Oh my gosh, that's so clever. (laughs) Also, what you mentioned before about um, splitting your DNA and making your own Jurassic Park got me thinking, what if... What if all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were actually just people that Ooh. turned into dinosaurs? Ooh, like Cusco style. Like, like or like I, style. I guess like the dinosaur in this one style. Like, have you seen Pinocchio? Yes, but a very long time ago. Okay, <laughs> there's like a, I, I think it, I can't remember if it's the first or second Pinocchio, but he goes to like an island and gets turned into a donkey because there's this guy there who's, like, trying to sell off... He, he, like, turns children into donkeys and then sells them as donkeys. <laughs> if you wanted to, like... Hold on. There's a second Pinocchio? I think so, right? <laughs> I feel like there is. I feel like there's a second version uh, movie of every Disney movie that uh, no one's really ever heard of. I was talking to my dad about the second Aladdin like a week ago, and he straight up did not know that there were more Aladdins than the first one. So You know what? Neither did I. <laughs> okay, well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> oh, well, apparently Pinocchio 2 is uh, Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. <laughs> like a vampire? <laughs> I don't know, but then uh, there's also other Pinocchio movies, including Pinocchio 3000, whatever that means. Is he a Terminator? What? There's the new adventures of Pinocchio, and he looks like E.T. I'm not even kidding on the cover. He looks like straight up E.T. Oh, God. The nose is gone and everything. I don't know. (laughs) That's terrifying. (laughs) Sorry, what were you saying about Pinocchio 2? Oh, just the Sorry, Aladdin (laughs) 2. Oh, I don't... I was saying that it was unmemorable. (laughs) (laughs) But about Pinocchio... That that guy that, like, uh, transforms children into donkeys to, like, make some moolah on them. Would children not be more expensive than donkeys? Well, that doesn't matter. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, the guy in this movie gets transformed into a dino. Um, He could transform other little people, (laughs) little kiddos, into dinosaurs, start his whole new park, be like, oh my god, look, there's real dinos. But it's actually just people. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but I feel like it's going somewhere. In mildly terrifying territory. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll stop it there. <laughs> That's secretly what the third uh, Jurassic World is about. They don't oh. want you to leak anything. The, the Disney <laughs> snipers are on us right now. Oh, God. <laughs> We're waiting. Do you remember that Disney show, uh, Jake Long, American Dragon? I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay, well, <laughs> I was thinking about it as I was watching this movie. It's this show, I don't remember it very well, but it's about this boy named Jake Long, and he could turn into a dragon at will because something, his ancestors were dra- I I don't know, something oh. like that. Um, this is basically that, but with dinosaurs, and also he's not a boy, he's a grown man priest. <laughs> Ooh, wait... That's, I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> what is... Am I? Is there, like, another... I feel like there's another, like, superhero or something that can transform into something and then back into a man. The Hulk? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I felt like it was more animal-esque than that, but I suppose the Hulk works, too. Uh, Beast Boy? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Beast Boy. Mmm. They're both green, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy to confuse them. Beast Boy could transform into a dinosaur. Hmm. Has he? Yeah. Oh. Maybe he could team up with our Velocipaster. Oh, like a like a father-son duo. The new Batman and Robin are in town. Move aside. This is a Velocipaster and Beast Boy. Oh my god. Wait, I love that. Because, <laughs> little bit of trivia for you, there's a sequel to this movie confirmed. We don't know when because of Miss Rona, but... Who oh, knows? The movie no, it's, it's not not out yet. I think he finished writing it. I don't know if they started filming it yet. This is so exciting. Oh my I gosh. Know. And uh, to get back to, to this movie, because I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it. No, me too. If you're new to the podcast, we usually have a specialty drink that you can uh, make 
for yourself to drink along to because a lot of these movies are kind of hard to get through without a little something something this movie though like honestly you can watch it by yourself but we do still have a drink for you to make yeah just as a little bonus um so today's drink is the bible belt because you know main character is a priest a pastor so the bible belt what you need uh is two ounces of southern comfort half an ounce of triple sec two ounces of sour mix, and two lime wedges. Mm. And what you got to do, it's so simple. All you got to do is mix those ingredients, pour them over ice, garnish with your lime. And that's it. That's your Bible belt. Oh, that actually sounds quite uh, quite nice. Maybe you mm. don't need it to, you know, get through this movie, but on its own, quite nice to have. And to go along with that, we have a couple points for a little drinking game um, that you can do for fun, either to our podcast or... I really would recommend you watch this movie <laughs> and to make it a little bit more enjoyable, which it honestly is already pretty enjoyable. It's um, really good, guys. Like, it's a we're, really good movie. <laughs> you might think we're joking with you. We're not kidding. This is like a really good movie. Genuinely, Velocipaster, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. One of my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite movies maybe ever. Of all time. What do you have, Ashley? Okay, my first point is every time Doug, who's the main character, priest slash pastor, looks dramatically into the distance. Ooh, I have every time he wakes up with a gasp. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I have every time he transforms into a dinosaur. Ooh, okay, I have, and this kind of goes along with that one, every time he says he's hungry. (laughs) Okay, every time there's a montage or flashback. I have uh, every time someone dies. (laughs) Okay, fair. (laughs) My last one is every time the bad guys laugh maniacally. Ooh, okay. Going off of that one, my last one is every time someone laughs for a long time. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, Also, just a quick warning. If you're epileptic, some of the like montage scenes are a little intense. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of flashing uh, so just be mindful. I think there's two montages in this, but once you get to, there's a, a very tasteful sex scene. I think that's <laughs> yeah. primarily the one that has a lot of flashing. Yeah, but other than that, it's good. So um, this is your last chance to leave for spoilers. Again, genuinely, we really do recommend that you watch this movie. And you can come back, listen to our thoughts about it. Otherwise, we're going to get into it scene by scene and break it down right now. So this movie starts off with Doug the pastor giving a sermon. He finishes, he goes outside, he sees his parents waiting for him, and then their car blows up. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the moment that I knew I would love this movie. Not because his parents die, but because uh, instead of showing... The car blowing up. What they do instead is have, you know, the empty street, no car, and uh, a little tag on it that says VFX, car on fire. (laughs) That was the moment that I knew that this was going to be the best movie of all time. (laughs) Like, not only is it amazingly funny, but (laughs) it's a great way to save money on VFX. And the humor in this movie, like... It reminds me of Edgar Wright's humor when he does, like, Shaun of the Dead. All of his movies have that kind of very visual humor on top of being funny from dialogue. The way that they present events to us is so funny. Like, Yeah, that's so true. It is the same type of humor. And it's just so clever in the way that it presents. Like, who would think to do that? To just put, like, a little piece of text the effect <laughs> car on fire that's so funny and like this movie doesn't have a big budget it's like a thirty thousand dollar budget but instead of having a really really shitty car explosion they chose to take their disadvantages and turn them into comedy and i find that so clever and so good and so smart i love it so honestly props to them that was the best move they could have made. Yeah. Because a lot of these movies do tend to do just kind of like really crappy explosions. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> but, but it's such if, a good choice. Yeah. If you can turn that instead into something that's actually funny and so creative, like I've never seen that done before in a movie. That 10 out of 10. 
And, and we're only what, on the first scene. <laughs> yeah, this is, the, this is the opening scene of the movie. And this is what we're talking about when we're saying that um, this movie doesn't take itself seriously at all, but, like, in the best possible way. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> completely makes fun of itself. It knows what it's doing. That's why I thought for sure it was going to be an asylum movie. Me too. I was like, the credits are rolling at this point, and I'm like, where? Why isn't the asylum logo coming up? Because this is exactly what asylum would make. But I'm impressed that it's not, because asylum is kind of a, I'd say, kind of a big deal now. Like, they've made a lot of movies, and a lot of people know the name Asylum because they made Sharknado and everything. And this guy, he's just like independent, right? Yeah, he's just like completely uh, indie. This was based off an idea that. I think he did a trailer for it, a mock trailer for it, for uh, one of his projects for film school. And then he turned it into this full-length feature, and it's really good. Oh, congrats for him, because this turned out so well. (laughs) I know, and like I said before, he did a lot, and I'll talk about this at the end, too. He did a lot of, you know, uh, editing, directing, writing. That's not easy. Like, just to do one of those things is not easy, but to do all three so well, the hat trick, the trifecta, (laughs) props to him. I'm so in awe. Props indeed. So Doug, after his parents' (laughs) car, like, blows up with quotation marks, (laughs) Um, he gets consoled by this elder priest. And now, like, Doug is starting to, like, question his faith. He's like, how could God let this happen to my parents? So the elder priest is like, you know what you got to do, man? You got to take a trip. <laughs> you got to go travel, discover stuff. Um, and Doug's like, yeah, okay, sick. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and, and specifically the the Father Stuart, the elderly priest, he says, go where you don't think God will find you. Because then if you're there and you still see God, then he's he's been within you all along. And I'm like, oh, that's a very nice sentiment. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. Let's go somewhere where God will never find me. And then he goes to China, which, is that a little offensive? I'm not oh, sure. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Uh... Also, it's not. We, we see a shot of him driving, and then suddenly he's in China. And I'm like, did you drive there? Yeah, and the best part is, like, uh, he's, like, hiking in the woods when he gets to China. And you know that he's in China, because while he's hiking, he just kind of, like, <laughs> stops and stares dramatically into the distance and says, China. (laughs) A part of me is like, is he actually in China? Because he drove somewhere. Either he drove to the airport or he drove somewhere where he thought China is. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he just drove to like Chinatown and he's just like really convinced that he's in uh, the actual country. Either way, uh, while he's hiking, um, in the woods, there's also this, like, girl who's being pursued by ninjas in the same world. And the ninjas, like, shoot her with some arrows, and she dies. But not before giving Doug, like, a dinosaur tooth or a dinosaur claw, which, like, bites him or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ends up getting cut by the dino tooth, which looks like a very smooth rock. Um <laughs> yeah. And he he wakes up, he kind of like blacks out and he wakes up back home uh, hungry for blood. Take a drink. Mm. (laughs) Oh, he wakes up with a gasp, so take two drinks. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Um, We also then switch perspectives to this prostitute named Carol, who's meeting up with her pimp. And her pimp's name is (laughs) Frankie Mermaid. And his name is Frankie Mermaid because, and he makes her say it, it's because he's swimming in bitches. Oh, damn. Uh, how do you come up with this <laughs> Like, this pimp, not only is his name Frankie Mermaid, he also has the worst comb-over I've ever seen. It's like a comb-over, but his hair is also, like, uh, three feet long. <laughs> <laughs> yup. It's like if, if the trolls had a, a comb-over. <laughs> Um, oh, he does one of those evil laughs, so take a drink for that. And also, he keeps laughing her for no reason. <laughs> Rude. Yeah, he's not really intimidating at all, um, mostly because of his name and his, his hair. <laughs> yeah, but he is funny. <laughs> so, because he's her pimp, he tells her to go, like, look for people to boink, 
um, at the park. <laughs> that, yeah, that's where the best money is at. Oh, yeah. No, don't go to bars. Don't go to downtown. The park is where it's at. And not just any park. It's like an abandoned <laughs> park, like in the woods. And she goes there in like the middle of the night. Um, so she gets mugged because, of course, she does. And she doesn't really seem um, that worried about getting mugged. The dude's <laughs> like, uh, give me your money or I'll shoot you. And she's like, dude, I don't have any money. Like, come on. I'm here in the park in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thankfully, uh, she gets saved by Doug, who is now a full-ass velociraptor. Also, it's a full moon. He's a full moon dino. Uh, He comes out of the woods and just, like, chomps the guy to death. (laughs) Take a drink. (laughs) And he wakes up the next morning in Carol, the prostitute from before, uh, her bed. And he, like, you know, he wakes up, he's naked, he's, like, he thinks that he he boinked her, which is a big oops, because he's, like, a priest. And then we get one of those classic conversations (laughs) between him and Carol, where he thinks that he's talking to her about uh, Boinkin last night, and she thinks that she's talking to him about him being a velociraptor. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, He'll be like, oh my god, was last night your first time too? And she's like, yeah. (laughs) Because the first time she's seen someone get eaten by a full-ass dinosaur and then turned back into a man. So she's like, um, yeah. (laughs) Then she's like, wait, what do you think we're talking about? And I... (laughs) love these kind of separate conversations. It was so good. He'll be like, oh, like, this can never happen again. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I would gather. It was pretty disturbing. And he's like, okay, rude. (laughs) Oh, this is such a well-written movie. I cannot stress that enough. (laughs) So Carol then convinces Doug to become a vigilante killing bad people as a dinosaur. Um, And he agrees because during confession, where he's the priest and there's another guy beside him in the confession booth, Frankie Mermaid, uh, (laughs) the pimp from before, if you'll remember, is the one confessing. And he confesses that he was the one that killed Doug's parents in the beginning. (laughs) So Doug just murders him. Yeah, also Frankie Mermaid, like, didn't have a a reason to kill his parents. He's just, like, bragging about it for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, he was just having fun. (laughs) So Doug gets his dino claw out. He, like, slashes his neck. Um, A lot of the times when he turns into a dinosaur, except for the end, which we'll talk about later, only one part of him turns into a dinosaur. So, like, this time it's the claw. Last time I think it was, like, the head so he could munch. Um, we only get the full transformation at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you had to have one part of you that was dinosaur, I feel like a tail would probably be the most. You know what? I was going to say that. Then you could just like slap people away you don't like. You could do your painting. You know, I don't know. When you're holding too many things in your hands, you can hold (laughs) something extra in your tail. I mean, I was going for like the balance thing, but yeah. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) So then we get a little montage of Carol and Doug getting closer. Go, she, she starts going to church. He starts killing people as a dinosaur, <laughs> as you do. Um, and then the elder priest from the beginning finds out that this is what Doug is doing. And he's like, yikes, that's not Christian. So he wants to perform an exorcism on, uh, on Doug. And he takes him to this exorcist who... I think is an ex-priest, but I'm not sure. Um, he also he... looks like a magician, though. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Dracula magician guy. <laughs> and his name is Alistair or something. And in the middle of Doug meeting Alistair, let's call him, the elderly priest has just some random flashback <laughs> of him and Alistair in the war together. And I was a little confused <laughs> because in the flashback, it's them younger even though Alistair looks like 20 years younger than him already and I thought Alistair got shot in the chest in the flashback because uh the elderly priest was like cradling his head he's like don't die on me buddy like we we can get through this war whatever I guess he is fine though (laughs) yeah because he's here now after the flashback (laughs) 
<laughs> so. Yeah, and then the next part of the flashback is for some reason. <laughs> yeah, okay, so flashback to set the scene, he was in uh, quote unquote the war. <laughs> Just the Just war. Some war. Uh, as like a soldier, um, and Alistair was one of his war buddies who got shot, but then also is okay. <laughs> yeah, and then um, the elderly priest is talking about his wife or his girlfriend to one of his war buddies. He's like, I really miss her, like, wish I could see her. Then all of a sudden, the girlfriend <laughs> just comes running up, but she steps on a landmine or something and blows up right in front of him. He gets trunks <sighs> all over him. Um <laughs> It was like a tidal way, like, you know the, the ALS, the ice bucket challenge from years ago? Yep. It's- it was like that, but with blood. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, and she was just, like, just wandering the middle of the battlefield. Oh, also, can I just add that all of the war, everyone in the war flashback, aside from the elderly priest dude and Alistair, are just straight up wearing jeans. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, I was, okay, I was, (laughs) side note, this has nothing to do with the movie, but I was talking to my brother about the zombie apocalypse, um, as you do, because we're kind of, Miss Rona has introduced a little bit of an apocalypse (laughs) uh, onto us right now. So I was talking to my brother about the apocalypse, um, and we were talking specifically about the zombie apocalypse. And uh, my brother was like, you know, like, realistically, right? If we think realistically about zombies, all you'd really need to do to avoid them is just wear, like, head-to-toe denim. (laughs) (laughs) Because zombies are people, right? And the whole thing is you don't want them to bite you because then you'll turn into a zombie. But they just have human teeth. Can you bite through denim? Oh, I can't bite through denim. You just wear, like, uh, you know that picture of Britney Spears and (laughs) Justin Timberlake? Just oh, wearing, I know like, exactly the picture you're talking oh, about. Yeah, I'm talking denim tank top, denim uh, cowboy overcoat, hat, denim cowboy, every the denim mask, denim gloves, the whole <laughs> shebang, and you'll be zombie proof. You know what? That's a really good idea. I know everyone out here like having their cool leather vests with their arms exposed in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, no, no, sir, no, ma'am, that's not gonna work. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we need those, je- I was going to say denim. <laughs> we need those <laughs> denim jeans. We need those denim jackets, uh, denim boots, denim scarves, whatever. You know, my I was talking to my aunt, like, uh, before we started this podcast, and we were talking about masks. And my aunt was like, oh, I just saw this uh, mask that I was thinking of buying um, that's denim. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Mmm, sounds fashionable. Are the masks that people use, they can't be stronger than denim. Maybe she has a point. Uh, Oh, true. I mean, I think the one she was looking at just had like a denim print on it or something. Oh, well, that's not gonna... She needs the full (laughs) denim. She. I mean, if you're gonna survive the zombie apocalypse, you gotta have full denim. Yeah, you can't just wear denim print for fashion. No, no, no. No, no, we need a, a fashion and utility. Yeah, the two-in-one. <laughs> Sadly, though, that's not the type of... I guess this movie is... It's not really a pug. It was just a war. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not It's not like everybody's out here turning into dinosaurs. <laughs> Ooh, maybe movie two? The sequel? Ooh. Well, until then. Okay. <laughs> So that's the elder priest's, like, backstory, is he was in the war and everyone you love died. Um, Except Alistair, I guess. Yeah, I guess he's also, fine. As he was dying, he's telling uh, the the elder priest, like, basically what he says is, I want you to have 11 kids and spend 15 <laughs> minutes a day with each of them and name one after me or something like that. <laughs> there were a lot of good one-liners in this. Does it work that way that, like, you have one kid, so you can spend all day with them. You have two kids. You gotta split it up 50-50. You have 11 kids. (laughs) You can only spend 15 minutes a day and then move on, bitch, next kid. (laughs) Now, this is really a testament to how bad my math skills are. 15 (laughs) times 11 
equals 165 divided by 60 equals that's almost three hours though playing with your children or whatever it is that's I mean, that's, a lot that's a lot of time to spend with kids <laughs> yeah that's at first i was like 15 minutes like, come on but now i'm like three hours straight me i have denim to buy <laughs> i have zombies to fend off what do you think i'm doing here I have to paint. I have to buy denim. You think the the denim just gets bought on its own? No, no, no. I have to sew my own denim because I have this velociraptor tail coming out the back. You think they just (laughs) sell those in stores? Gotta rip the whole back of my jeans apart. (laughs) You know how hard it is to rip your jeans apart? Very. I tried in high school when uh, ripped jeans were like super the thing. Uh, I tried to rip my own jeans and they did not turn out. My mom taught me a trick and you take a, a bottle cap from like a like a glass bottle and you just run it over the, the fabric where you want a hole. So it looks oh, more natural. That's a good idea and that's not With what I did. Edge of the bottle cap, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, a little, little light. I didn't know we were getting life hacks in here. Yeah. We have a, how to make your own ripped jeans and also how to use those genes to survive if zombies attack. <laughs> I mean, except if they're ripped. Yeah, maybe you don't want to rip them for the apocalypse. <laughs> Probably not in that. Uh, you want to sew, sew them back up. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to this exorcism that they're literally in the middle of. So Alistair, the cool vampire ex-priest zombie-looking <laughs> guy, he uh, is doing the exorcism. They're kind of having a seance. And Doug is getting hungry, take a drink, and he turns into part of a dinosaur. And we think he kills the elderly priest, who is his mentor father figure. Yeah, because he rips his eye out and he collapses on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, so we're assuming at this point that he's dead. But then we find out later that he's not dead and he's wearing an eye patch over his glasses. (laughs) The head ninja of the ninja gang has somehow gotten him. And he's just, like, telling him everything? Yeah, because there's this whole thing that's been going on where uh, there's these ninjas who are trying to kill Doug for being the dragon warrior, which I still don't know what that means. And there's, like, this head ninja whose plan is to sell just, like, a bunch of... He wants to hook everyone on coke. And then take away the Coke supply, and then they'll have to go to church. (laughs) And then there's so many um, good lines in this scene. Like, the the old priest asks, what does drug smuggling have to do with Christianity? And then one of the ninjas goes, everything. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know that the Christian faith was a front for the drug smuggling world? (laughs) For for ninjas? (laughs) That's a lot of uh, drugs to spread out to literally everyone in the world to make them all convert to Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, later the um, the ninjas are in what looks like the same park that they've been using for all of the park scenes. And Doug and Carol go to fight them. And then twist, the twist of all twists, M. Night Shyamalan, who this twist <laughs> is so... I don't even know what. But there's this white ninja dude. Um, By the way, a lot of these ninjas are white, and some are Australian. (laughs) As a side note. Anyways, so this one ninja dude turns out to be Doug's brother. And we're like, the whole time, we're like, wait, he has a brother? Because in all the flashbacks of his parents, his dad is saying things like, damn, Doug, you're my only son, and I love you so much. But now <laughs> they're repeating all of those flashbacks, except now we get to see the brother in them, too. So the dad will be like, oh, damn, Doug, you're my only son and I love you so much. And then it pans back and the other brother is like standing in the doorway like. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Twist of the century, honestly. Yeah. Six cents. Who? <laughs> <laughs> so then there's this whole fight scene where uh, Doug kills his brother, take a drink, He's, you know, chopping up, crunching all these uh, ninjas. Carol is dying in his arms because she got, I think she got hit with a bow and arrow. 
Uh, yeah, some guy just like slashed a, sh- a sword at her, which she was doing quite well. When uh, Doug was fighting his brother, she was taking on like 50 guys in the background, whereas Doug is like trying to get a single hit on him, his brother. <laughs> yeah, they both know Kung Fu for some reason. Yeah, um, but somehow Carol taking on those like 50 guys, a little too much because she gets a sword to the chest. And she dies in Doug's arms, a very uh, sad, but also kind of funny moment. <laughs> and then her death is what makes Doug do his full transformation into his dino form, which is just, <laughs> you know, those um kids birthday party dino full dino suits. Yeah, those like blow up ones that a lot yeah. of people were wearing on, on Vine. Yeah, that's literally what this is. <laughs> yeah. But, like, honestly, it was good. <laughs> it made it better than if they had used bad CGI. Yes. Yeah, it's like the, the car blowing up, but not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's yeah. Just this dude running around in this dino suit, and it looks like the dinosaur has a hunchback because that's where his head is in the suit. <laughs> so good. So Doug goes like ape and kills everyone there in his dino form, including uh the main head honcho ninja. He like rips his head off. But and it's his very head... obviously a mannequin head with fake eyebrows glued on. It's so good. Oh. Um, and then they just put this Gandhi quote on screen, <laughs> being like. Violence is bad or something. (laughs) And then we think it's the end of the movie, but then there's a scene at a doctor's office and Carol is alive. She's sitting in what looks like a dentist chair uh, with all of her clothes on and a hospital gown on top of that. (laughs) She's perfectly fine. Doug is like so worried. He's like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like you just got stabbed. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then uh, in the very last scene, I guess they're both going to run away together and stop all the bad guys in the country supernatural style. Yeah, he just like leaves the church to become like a a biker bounty hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And they like ride off into the sunset. And that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the best movie we've ever seen. Oh my god. I mean, what a snub that this movie did not get an Oscar. (laughs) Best actor, best picture, best original screenplay. I mean... Best director, best editor, best music. Like, the music in this movie was surprisingly really good. Yeah, this was... You know what I could see? This is an episode of Supernatural, to be honest. With you. <laughs> but, but better. Like, but better. You know, season one to five Supernatural. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The editing also is, like, the <laughs> so good like we mentioned all the like cgi stuff so funny but also every time there's like two people talking to each other they also edit their heads facing the camera saying the same thing (laughs) it's movie magic it's so good everything about this movie also can i just give out a, a shout out to the montages because sometimes in movies montages are kind of tacky but these were edited so well. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of them was a little seizure-inducing, but the other, I agree. Yeah, they were just uh, so good. Also, okay, I just, there's this one scene that I thought was so funny. When the elder priest finds first finds out that Doug is a, a dinosaur, <laughs> Doug is like, Trying to learn more about dinosaurs. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> Quick, I mean, do dinosaurs not exist in Christianity? Because he mentions, like, we don't believe in dinosaurs or something. I don't know. In any case, he's trying to, like, learn more about dinosaurs. So he's got, like, a bunch of books next to him, and he's reading a book that's, like, everything you need to know about dinosaurs or something. Um, And then the elder priest comes in, so Doc has to cover the book that he, you know the thing that you do in class where you like you're on your phone but you got to make it look like you're you're reading so you hold up a book and then your phone is in front of it he does that where he's like reading this dinosaur book and then the elder priest busts in so doug has to cover the book that he's reading with another uh, more christian book he covers um, it with the bible which is 
significantly smaller than the book he's holding behind it. You can clearly see that he's holding the two books. And it was so funny. Like, honestly, that's what I mean when I say this could be, like, a lot of the the goofs in this movie could be from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Because Edgar Wright has that same kind of uh, visual comedy. It's so good. Oh, my God. And so many lines in this movie are good. Like, let me just throw out a few of my favorite pieces of dialogue. Um, When Doug is talking to Carol... And he tells her that he's a priest. She's like, I don't know much about God. And then he says, I don't know much about dinosaurs. <laughs> so I guess we're even. And then um, in the scene where we get the flashback of his parents picking him up from the church, uh, his parents are like, we'll pick you up from priest college after you graduate. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Oh man, like just so many lines are so good. The the only other thing I want to mention is that I was looking on IMDb. Oh, well, first of all, this is just a little side note. Uh in the IMDb FAQs for this movie, the only question is why? <laughs> and the answer is why not with an exclamation point. Oh, wow. Also, I wanted to mention about this movie. So the budget for this was $35,000, which is not a lot for uh, a movie. Like, I think we were talking about the budget for Tsunami in our Tsunami episode, and that was, like, double this, and Tsunami was not nearly as good as this movie. No. So, because I think uh, Tsunami spent too much money on really crappy effects instead of uh, what uh, this filmmaker, Brendan Steer, who directed, wrote, and edited this movie, he, instead of spending so much money on, you know, crappy CGI, he actually, like, turned it around, made fun of all of his limitations, got to admire him for that. And I was also looking at his IMDb credits, not only... Is he listed as a writer, editor, and director on multiple uh, movies. He's also been a producer. Okay, that fits with everything else. He's worked in the camera and electrical department. He's worked in miscellaneous crew, sound department, editorial department, makeup, cinematography, special effects, casting director. Oh, my like, gosh. I feel like, first of all, I feel like he saved himself a lot of money by instead of paying people to edit and do all these things for his film he did them himself like kudos to this guy a lot of people when they try to go to film school they choose one path and they just kind of stick with that but to do like sound and makeup and special effects and writing directing producing all of that holy shit like this guy really knows what he's doing. He's a jack of all trades. I know. I feel like if you're going to make, this is just for any aspiring filmmaker out there, if you're going to make an indie film with a really low shoestring budget, instead of investing in good fancy equipment, invest in people who can do like anything. Because if you in if you have a really fancy camera and you have someone behind that camera who doesn't know how to use it, then you're better off getting a shitty camera and someone who's like a master at cinematography and can turn like the worst camera ever into shots that are amazing. Mm. Just a little tidbit for y'all. Wow. Yeah, invest in people, not equipment. <laughs> Man. This is so good. I can't, like, I'm so, I'm still thinking about it. I watched it two days ago. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. I mean, like, literally, if you haven't watched our Tsunami episode, I mean, yeah. I, I won't say too much about it, but like I mentioned at the beginning, this is what I wanted Tsunami to be, because I don't think, Tsunami wasn't an asylum movie, was it? No, it was just no. a, an independent, like this one. But from the description of Tsunami, I thought it was going to be something like this. I thought it was going to be like a weird kind of Sharknado uh, asylum thing that had to do with some sort of animal. But that movie took itself so seriously. And it was like, 
we couldn't tell if it was like pro or anti-Christian, but it was like pushing really hard into it. And it was just the lines were bad. The acting was bad. The CGI was atrocious. And in this movie, it, it just turned everything around that it had basically the same premise. You know, it's kind of like had a, a religious thing. But uh, also there's this monster animal side to it. Um, but it didn't take itself seriously at all. Uh, it didn't have to worry about special effects or anything because they just made that into comedy instead. And they weren't trying to push any sort of message. It just everything worked. Yeah, it like this is I'm not lying. I'm not joking. This is the kind of movie that makes you want to make movies because you see how creative people can get when they're so restricted by things yet this is still an amazing movie so you it makes you think like damn like how can i be that creative how can i do something like that with my own limitations it's just really i don't know empowering i guess that's such a weird word to use for a movie called the velocipaster (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly true yeah Brendan Steer, if you're out there, keep doing you. You're doing such good work out here. Oh, we believe in you. We We believe believe in you. (laughs) I also have a little bit of trivia that I pulled off of IMDb about this movie, and I think some of this stuff is uh, pretty interesting. Okay, shoot. So this is a, I think I mentioned before, a feature-length adaptation of a 2011 Grindhouse trailer by the same director, which he made in film school as a project. And I guess it went viral on YouTube or something. And yeah. And then from Wikipedia, it says uh, from 2011 to 2016, there were two attempts to crowdfund the film through Kickstarter. And then this uh, thing called Seed and Spark, which I guess is kind of the same thing. But neither attempt succeeded. And the film received funding from a private investor that uh, the director's mother's friend knew. Wait, okay. <laughs> hold on. That the mother of Steer's friend knew. Oh, okay. that's not what I said at all. <laughs> Just a few other things. Uh, he was influenced by director Guillermo del Toro, who did The Shape of Water, Pan's Labyrinth, a lot of good stuff. Wow. Uh, the most <laughs> important thing, I think, on this uh, trivia page is he thought of the idea in 2010 when he was attending the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan, okay, after his phone autocorrected Velociraptor to Velocipaster. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I feel like that's something we would do. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just make an entire movie based around one autocorrect. I mean, if it works, it works, and it worked here. It did. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Damn. I also want to mention that in the cast, so the the filmmaker's name is Brendan Steer. The guy who plays Father Stewart is Daniel Steer, and the guy who's in the dinosaur suit at the end is Zachary Steer. So I feel like he brought in some family to help, which is also a very good tip if you're an indie filmmaker, bring in your family so you don't have to pay the uh, union <laughs> requirement. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's not only a good filmmaker, he's smart with his budgeting. I know, like, damn. All right, well, anyway, that's enough of us um, (laughs) cheerleading this movie. Let's see what IMDb and Letterboxd have to say. Uh, We'll go over the IMDb reviews first. The first one we have is by user Kyrajace-33851 who gave it a 10 out of 10, and their tagline is life-changing. This movie cured my cancer and my acne, my asthma is gone, and I don't need my glasses anymore. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Wow. Uh, This movie is blessed to its core. Do you remember that that one review we got uh, for the Emoji movie? (laughs) It said, this movie cured my brother's cancer. (laughs) well this movie second movie that can cure cancer people well that would only cure cancer but this cured cancer and acne and asthma three and asthma and (laughs) fixed their eyes (laughs) yeah yeah the second review we have is by user 
Info-95437, who also gave it, you guessed it, a 10 out of 10. Their tagline is, 10 stars, absolute garbage, a must-watch. <laughs> this is nothing but a hilarious ride from start to finish. A mangled heap of god-awful props, dialogue, costuming, lighting, special effects, and acting jammed into an inexplicable plot by a genius director who manages to make a very bad movie on purpose without any shred of pretense or shame. The ninja fight scene is what Mortal Kombat would look like if it got hijacked by a kindergarten drama class. <laughs> Watch this movie. It's terrible. It's schlocky. You'll love it. Wow. Absolute garbage. A must watch. Agreed on both those <laughs> points. And the last review is by user DeWest1126, who also gave it a surprising uh, 10 out of 10. And their tagline is gloriously horrible. Velocipaster knows it is one of the most ridiculous concepts in film history, that none of it makes any sense at all, and it runs with it. Every single frame is horrible. Horrendous? But it does it in such a goofy manner that it's just so much fun. This is quite possibly the worst movie ever made, but it's gloriously horrible. It's so bad that it's perfect. Highly recommend to anyone who even remotely enjoys bad movies. Which is us. <laughs> That's us. Hopefully you, if you're watching this or listening to this. We also have three letterboxed reviews. And the first one is by Madison, who gave it five out of five stars. Madison says, convince me to go to church again. <laughs> the second review is by Mitchell, who also gave it five out of five stars. Brendan Steer could make The Irishman, but Martin Scorsese couldn't make The Velocipaster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true! <laughs> and our last review for today is by Vulcan Vader, who gave it four and a half stars, and they say, They say we haven't had a good dinosaur film since Jurassic Park. Those days are over. Oh yeah, baby, I agree. This is the next hit dino movie. I'm calling it now. Move aside, Jurassic World 3. We don't need you anymore. Uh, this is what the people are requesting. How unstoppable would this movie be if Jeff Goldblum was in it? Girl, we talk about this every episode, but he <laughs> just belongs in every movie. <laughs> and he would be per- Jeff Goldblum has that kind of humor where he just says stuff and doesn't know that he's funny. Which I feel like would go so well with the kind of humor in this movie. That is so true. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we have our uh, audience reviews, let's get into our reviews. So just for reference, IMDb gave this a 5.1 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 54%. That's what oh, the critics gave it. Lowballing, guys. Lowballing. Ashley, what do you think? Okay, well, I mean, if you're new to the podcast, we rate all the movies that we watch on what we call the Goldblum scale, based on the boy that we just mentioned. <laughs> Um, 10 out of 10 is really not that bad for a bad movie, and 1 out of 10 is so bad I could barely finish it. Personally, I'm gonna have to give this bad boy a, 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 a whopping 10 out of 10 gold blooms. Oh, wait, I think this is the first ever 10 out of 10 that any of us have ever given. I know, I'm trying to think back, and I can't remember giving any other movie a perfect score, but I'm gonna give this a perfect score. You know what? Me too. 10 out of 10. It was funny. Oh. Uh, the the writing was good. Directing. The editing was amazing. 10 out of 10. Like, what else do we need? Nothing. It couldn't improve in any way. Like, I don't have any uh, critiques for him. Like, this is just the movie. Is this? This is a record, right? The both of us give it a 10 out of 10? I don't think we've even given one 10 before. So yeah, oh my god. Oh my god. Well, props to the to the director for doing such an amazing job on this movie that I honestly had the lowest hopes for. <laughs> Me too, with a name like Velocipaster. <laughs> <laughs> and from even just the, the poster, like, I didn't expect much. But I was so pleased with... If you're listening to this podcast and you still haven't seen this movie, even though we've gone over it scene by scene, please... Please watch this movie. It is so funny. It is so good. Hopefully we did a lot of the jokes justice, but they're just done so well in the actual movie. I'd recommend just watching the film itself. 
yeah, honestly, the way that we talked about it could not compare to the actual film. We've we haven't gone over a lot of the jokes, and we've gone over a lot, but there's still so many more. It's a work of art. It belongs in. Is there like a museum of fame for movies? Because there should be, and this should be in it. In the Criterion Collection. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Man, wow. Oh, our first 10 out of 10 in oh. the toasting season. I feel so good, so rejuvenated from all the bad movies we've had to watch. I know. I'm so glad. Especially because Tsunami, I think we gave the first negative score to. <laughs> yes. The fact that this one just pushed those barriers to an absolute perfect score. Well done. Uh, the loss of pastor. A round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> if any of you have uh, seen the loss of pastor and want to tell us your thoughts, or if you have other bad movies that you'd like to recommend to us, you can always find us on Twitter and Letterboxd. We're at BMS Podcast on both, and you can uh, shoot us an email. We're Bad Movie Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. I'm Ashley. I'm Amy. And we will see you next, next week.